This afternoon, I'd like for us to take some time to look through a worksheet that I have on the topic of baptism. Uh, this worksheet has been really special to me over the years in helping different new believers um, work through this issue. I've used a lot of different discipleship materials, and a lot of them have good parts and um, always seems like there's not enough. And um, where's the balance of too much info, too little info, and all of that? And many years ago, I ended up finding something that um, was written by a pastor out in Connecticut, and he has a series of Bible studies. His name is George Zeller, and um, he has put together a worksheet on baptism and communion. I'll tell you right up front, one of the reasons I love this particular study or worksheet on the topic of baptism is because so often um, your different discipleship little booklets or lessons deal with actually water baptism and water baptism exclusively. Um, and maybe a sentence or two, if that, regarding the spiritual significance or the symbolism of it. And what I really love about this worksheet is that it goes through, yes, the specifics of water baptism and the meanings of words, but also takes some time to explain the spiritual significance of it and also has a, <clears throat> a rather simplistic but very, um, very accurate little diagram drawing to help us to picture and understand the spiritual significance of what water baptism is. So, if I could get two helpers to join me up here in passing these out, um, I, I had printed a base number, and then in the, during the first song this afternoon, I counted you all, and, um, and so I printed enough for everybody who was here in the first song. Um, but let's start off, just to be, make sure we get an even spread, let's start off at least one per household and every other person, and then come back to the front and give it to every person. That means the people sitting up front get priority. Sound like a deal? All right. So yeah, let's do every other, at least per, one per household, and then come back to the front and give them to everybody who wants one. And that's how we'll do this. I'm pretty sure we have enough even for those who are up in the balcony um, or close to it. Baptism. You know, we read in the Bible of, of these people, um, especially in the day of Pentecost, that day uh, 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, or actually, let me put that, reshuffle that, uh, 50 days after Christ's resurrection. And um, on that day of Pentecost, we read of 3,000 who believed, were baptized, and added to the church. And um, sometimes people have asked the question, and legitimately so, why is it then when someone believes in Jesus, we don't immediately proceed with having them be baptized? And that is a really good question, and it's something I have really struggled with myself over the years. Why don't we do that? Well, as I've, as I've met more people, as I've led different individuals to the Lord, and I've, as I brought up this topic of baptism, one of the reasons why we don't do it right, right away, and there's nothing wrong with doing it right, right, right away. That's actually a good thing. Um, it's actually a preferred thing. But sometimes there is a good and legitimate reason to delay it because people have different perspectives or understanding of what, quote, baptism is and the significance of it. Um, sometimes just the simple perspective of how it's done is, is, is erroneous, or more seriously, is that somehow being baptized in water is how you get saved. Um, that's a doctrine that we refer to or name as baptismal regeneration, which is that, you know, you are regenerated, you are born again, you become a new creation in Christ Jesus through water baptism, and that's not the case. 
you become born again, you become regenerated by being baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And that is regeneration. And so sometimes it's important, it's actually important to delay baptism so that you can help people to really understand what they're doing so that they need to obey and be baptized as Christ said, but to help them to understand what they're doing. Now, there's been occasions where I wanted to go baptize somebody right on the spot too, and those are really precious times, but it's really difficult when also they get this idea of, well, I need to get baptized, and I say, why? Well, because I, I, need, I need to get baptized to get totally saved, and there is where it's like, okay, let's pause, and let's come back to the gospel, and let's talk through this, and this worksheet is a really wonderful way of doing that. Now, we're not going to go through this whole worksheet um, this afternoon, and it deals with both baptism and communion, and that's one reason why I said make sure every household gets one at least, and then everyone who would like one, because it's important that you take this home yourselves and go through this as a family. So just from a perspective as dad here, um, I've got just three of my seven children here because the others are either sick or we don't know if they're sick or not. You know how that works. And, um, and so I, I need to adopt some extra children today to help us as a family go through this. So I might call on some of you to be adopted into my family. And I'm going to come down here. Elijah, could you stand up and read real clear and loud for us the first paragraph of this? Let's do a sword drill. Put our Bibles up. We're going to look up Acts 2, 41 through 42. Get your Bibles up there. Say the reference with me. Acts 2, 41. Church. You all hear that? How many? What happened when they believed? What did they do? They were, say it with me, baptized. Very important. And then they were added to the church. So the first one we're going to look at here is baptism. Do I have a volunteer who would like to read the paragraph there under instituted by Jesus Christ? Brother Sousley, please. There you go. Did he get the word blank right? Yes or no? Yes. A plus. Baptizing. So this is a command. that They are commanded to baptize. 
Now, the next section here, well, let me, let me before I go on. My children, any questions? Anybody else's children, any questions? We're grown-ups? We're all children. Mr. Smith, you don't see water mentioned there. Really, really good question. Um, we're going to go a little deep on that to answer that completely. But this question was asked of me earlier. How do you know the difference between water baptism and the baptism into Jesus Christ? Um, and Mrs. Ellinger actually asked this question after the morning service. I'm thankful she did. Um, I have not given an exhaustive study. But my preliminary conclusion on how to know whether or not it's water baptism or baptism into Christ is because Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would do the baptizing into Jesus Christ, and this is something the disciples are doing, following a practice of water baptism already set forth. Furthermore, there is a precedent laid out in Acts where we see this actually being done with water baptism. So you wonder who baptizes you into Jesus Christ? The Holy Spirit does. So when you lead someone to Christ, you don't baptize them into Christ. When they believe, the Holy Spirit baptizes them into Christ, and then they are baptized by a disciple into the water as the symbol picture of it. Great question. Now, continuing on, what is the proper method or mode of baptism? Brother Christopher over here came to me at lunch today, and he said something. You mind sharing that with everybody? So it's a little bit of an oxymoron, which means two contradicting kind of statements um, to say the mode of baptism because baptism is something. The word itself means something. Um, who would like to read that first paragraph there, beginning with today? Stand up and read it loudly for everyone. Anyone want to volunteer to do that? Or should I call on my son again? Joel. Joel. So that is the question. And so we must first understand what the word baptize really means. This word does not mean to sprinkle. It does not mean to pour. The word baptize is a Greek word which means to dip, to immerse, to plunge into something that surrounds or covers. When used of a liquid, it means that an object or a person is put into or under a liquid so as to be completely covered by the liquid, totally submerged. And here the teacher gives us an object lesson to use this word outside of water baptism context. And I have some to help you here. Here, Nathan, I'm going to give you a gospel track. All right? Would you like one? Would you like to play along with us? 
I'll pass out a few here. Now, some of you are reading ahead. I already know and know what's coming. You want one here? I could keep going, but let's see what it says here to teach us this lesson idea of what baptism is. So he says, open your Bible. So those of you I gave a track, open your Bible. And all of you can follow along here a little bit because you have this handout, right? You can use this handout, kind of, sort of. He says, open your Bible, put a track there. I love how he defines a track. You all know what a track is, right? I hope so. There's a lot of people out there that don't know what a track is. A tracklet is a gospel leaflet. Some of you might know more, know more what a track is than a leaflet. And then it says, then close your Bible so that the track is no longer visible. You could now say, I baptized this track in my Bible. Think of a sleeping bag. What would a person need to do in order to be baptized in the sleeping bag? I love this next illustration. I wanted to illustrate this here. Have you ever had an ice cream cone whose top had been baptized? This is when the top of the ice cream cone is immersed or dipped into some kind of topping, such as chocolate or butterscotch or cherry. These are usually called dipped cones. So the next time you order a cone, you could say, could I get that baptized? <laughs> See how they look at you. They would be bewildered probably most places, yes. It's a dipped cone. It's a baptized cone. Now, we're kind of chuckling at this because when we use the word baptized, we almost always, unless you're nerdy like me, in, 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 in knowing this and having fun with it, we almost always use the word in the context of spirit baptism or water baptism. We never talk about having a baptized cone. But here's the point of what the teacher here is trying to make, is that if we were Greek-speaking people, this would be a normal, everyday word for us, for dipping, immersing, putting into. So the Greek person would actually go up to the ice cream stand and say, could I get that cone baptized? That's what they would say. That's the point, and that's the reason why the teacher here is trying to bring it out of the theology perspective world, the word, into its normal meaning. So the word normally means this. Could someone volunteer to open to Acts chapter 8 and read for us verses 36 to 39? A volunteer to read this. Mr. Fleming? Everyone, please take your Bibles and turn there to follow along. As you're looking for that, I'll give you a brief introduction. So this is the history of one of the first deacons, whose name was Philip, whom God had called to meet a particular man from Ethiopia. And, um, and he, he, he meets him, and this is jumping right into the middle of, of that story here, um, where Philip, to read the first verse here ahead, he, he opened his mouth and began at the same scripture in Isaiah, 
to preach to him Jesus. So he preached to him Jesus, the gospel of Jesus, and um, this can picks up the story. Amen. So, who was listening to those verses? Um, Nathaniel, would you like to read here this paragraph, and can you insert in those, ver those words blanks from this verse as you read? In Acts 8, 36-39, we read about the time when the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. In verse 38, it says that they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch. And he, Philip, baptized him, immersed him, the eunuch. After this baptism, it says they came up out of the water. According to these verses, what method or mode of baptism do you think was used? Was it baptism by sprinkling or by pouring or by immersion? Okay, pause. Don't fill in the blank. Let's see. Was the mode sprinkling, pouring, or by immersion altogether? Immersion. Immersion, that's right. It was by immersion. Did he get all those other blanks right? Yes, he did. They went down into the water. Now, just for fun, I have to tell you a story. I do this sometimes with my kids, and sometimes I don't know if they're listening, and then later I find out they were listening. I had a rather shocking experience this week when my, let's see, uh, a seven-year-old told me a rather adult story an adult means way above her age, um, of something that I had told about the Bible sometime before. And I was like, I did not have any idea she would have caught any of that from Proverbs. Um, so, you know, Proverbs gets pretty specific sometimes. And, um, but here's an interesting thing that is important. I was um, wandering around one day, a building, and I saw a Bible storybook. I picked it up, and I says, oh, I like Bible storybooks. Some of you know that. I have a whole collection of them. And I, this one I'd never seen before, and I started looking through it, and I get down into it, and I see the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And there is Philip down in the water with the Ethiopian eunuch. And Philip has got this little thing that looks like a shell, and he's scooped up water, and he's pouring it on the Ethiopian eunuch's head. And I said... I don't like this Bible storybook. <laughs> and I put it down and went on with my day. Why? Because not only is it the word, baptizo, baptized, that means to immerse, but here this idea of going down into the water was not just to go down into the water to pour, but to go down, down in, into the water and come up out of the water. So this is compared to Jesus' baptism here. And we won't take the time here to look it up, but do you think you can fill in the blank there? He, Jesus came up out of the water. Now, 
Turn now to John 3. This is interesting because this is important to recognize in this topic. John chapter 3 and verse 23. So it tells us about John, and this is John the Baptist, and there was a certain place where John the Baptist was baptizing. Now, John the Baptist is an interesting character because he actually spent a lot of time in the wilderness. He spent a lot of time in the wilderness, and he actually had followers in the wilderness. But when he was baptizing, he went to a particular place. And it's interesting to note why John baptized in this particular place. Who would like to read John chapter 3 and verse 23? Don't be shy. Bruce, please. And John also was baptizing in, in Anon near the Jordan because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. So what does it say was there? Much water. So the question here is, does sprinkling require much water? No. Does pouring require much water? Does immersion require much water? Yes. This is interesting. Now, it's kind of interesting, too, because some have struggled with the topic of immersion because they say, well, in certain parts of the world, there's not enough water. And that's true. It's actually true. And it is actually a serious question that believers have that we don't have here as a big problem with. Um, I once read a story of some people who lived in a desert region um, they didn't live there. They were on a military um, mission in that region, and they were all rationed to water um, because it was a desert. And so even their drinking water was rationed. And this was an important point for them where there were some people who had gotten saved, believed in the Lord, and were wanting to be baptized. And it was so important for them that they have immersion that these soldiers, the believing Christian soldiers, rationed their rationed water to save up enough water to then dunk a guy in it. And it wasn't even really, they didn't quite have enough to dunk it, so they got creative and making sure he was totally covered in it even in that because of the water being rationed. And so here is an illustration of here where, where you know, there may be a situation where there is a scarcity of water, but here's the point is that when there isn't a scarcity of water, in fact, John the Baptist, whose primary ministry was in the wilderness, made it a point that when he did baptize, he went to the place because there was much water there, which is the implied reason so that they could immerse because you wouldn't need that otherwise. Any questions before we go on? Any questions? Yes. It's funny that he uses the word he, isn't it? That's probably why. <laughs> it's because of he. Because King James didn't translate this. But um, there was a committee of translators who translated it upon the command of the king. And it's probably because of the he that they didn't translate it. That's why. Because many, many people have struggled with this, this truth because um, for for. For centuries, the norm 
had been the sprinkling of infants. And, um, and so when the came, time came to do this translation, it was political expedience to not translate it and to just l- transliterate it. So it's not an English word. It's a Greek word that now is an English word because it was not translated but transliterated. So the sound of the word came over rather than the meaning of the word. And very likely the reason they did it was partly for diplomacy and to not get themselves in trouble with different people. With that said, though, that's not necessarily wrong because there's other occasions in our Bible where that could actually have been a helpful thing to do um, because there's other words that have been translated into English even in our King James, that in English they have a specific kind of meaning, but yet it's not necessarily the meaning of it in, in the original Hebrew is the way us English people think of that word. We don't e- exactly have the same parallel word together, and so there's some occasions in which it would be kind of legitimate to do that. Um, the word I'm thinking of is the word sheol, the Hebrew word sheol. Um, it's, it's a concept and an idea that we don't really have a good English word to define it, to translate it. They did, they tried, and they have, but it's really hard to translate the concept. And so there's a legitimate reason for doing it. Here, the reason was probably political expediency. That's my understanding of it. I could be wrong. Do any of you have any other thoughts on it? Why the translators didn't translate the word baptize, the Greek word baptize, as immersed and just transliterated it. Why they didn't translate it. <laughs> it just reads better. Yeah? Mm-hmm. They did do it for the main reason, as far as I understand it, of just because there was so many opinions about the mode that the translation would have just stalemated if they didn't just say, okay, let's just transliterate it. But it's a debatable thing because it's caused a lot of confusion, Leg- legitimate, troublesome confusion. Christopher? There absolutely was Jewish, Jewish custom of water baptism that was also immersion. Um, and they were also, they were, they, were, they were different kinds. They're not the same. We don't have time to go into technicality of it, I don't think, this afternoon. I'd love to have this conversation. It might be a lunch table time, time, a lunch table time kind of conversation. Um, but there is a difference between John's baptism. There's a difference between Old Testament ceremonial, ceremonial washings to Christian baptism. Christian baptism has, has, a, has, you might say, a model, a basis in that tradition, but it is different. It is different. 
John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was a publicly identification that I am repenting of my sins and I am forsaking them and I am following after God. Whereas Christian baptism was, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. I am buried with him by baptism into death and I walk in newness of life. So they are different, but they carry there was a carrier of tradition. In fact, one of the main ways they can tell in archaeology if a community or a settlement was Jewish is whether or not there were regular and consistent baptistries throughout the village because they were these little baptismals where people would go in to cleanse themselves according to the Mosaic law. And that was one, that's one way they can say this community had a Jewish settlement because there was a very distinct baptistry um, in that settlement. When we were in Israel in different places, we've seen them. That's how they show you this was a Jewish and this was a Gentile because there aren't any. And that's how they know to distinguish them. We get a little, yes, please. I would say that to seek as much water as you could for full immersion. That's what I would say. Am I going to get, for those who didn't, couldn't do it for one reason or another, am I going to say, oh, that's invalid? Probably not, um, if they made the attempt for it. Um, but the main reason I would say is that it's, it was beyond the inference of it here, beyond the meaning of the word, would be the practice, former practice of the Jews of the complete submersion that's well documented in history. Like the baptismals are all around, they have, they were for the purpose of complete submersion. I love it when devil's advocates answer their own question. <laughs> That's good kind of devil's advocate. That's good. Yes. Hey, why, one of the reasons why a partial immersion, um, why we would say more of a full immersion is that the symbolism of it is buried with Christ. You don't partially bury people. Did I summarize that? Yeah. Good, good. We are running low on time. Um, but let's go through this here. Elijah, would you like to read for us again, please? Does water baptism save a person? There are many people who teach that water baptism is absolutely necessary for salvation. They teach that a believer in Christ is not saved 
and his sins are not forgiven until he is baptized in water. They would say this, in order to be saved, a person must believe in Christ and be baptized. Salvation takes place not when a person believes, but when a person is baptized. Is this what the Bible really teaches? Please read the following verses carefully and correct them. Put a line through the part that is incorrect and not found in the Bible. Very good. Okay, could I get a series of volunteers to look up these passages? Um, John 3.16. Nathan, could you take that one for us? Nathan, John 3.16. Um, Carl, could you take John 3.47? Mr. Tolosa, could you take Acts 10.43? Ethan, could you take Acts 16.31? And Nathan, could you take 1 Corinthians 1.21? So we'll start here with Nathan, and all of you look at your verse here, and if you have a pen, you cross out. So the instructions here is, correct these verses. So the teacher here has written these verses wrong. So you're going to listen to the truth, and you cross out what's wrong, okay? Go ahead, Nathan. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Very good. Okay. Did the teacher record that verse accurately? Yes or no? No. What did you cross out? And is baptized. So Jesus did not say that whoever believeth in him and is baptized should not perish. All right. Very good. Okay. Now, John 6, 47. that believeth on me hath everlasting life. All right, did the teacher write it right? Yes or no? All right, what needs crossed out? And is baptized. Cross that out. Yeah, we wouldn't want anybody to pick up your paper and get the wrong impression. Make sure you get that crossed out. Okay, John 10, 43. To him give all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins all right so is it written right in your paper yes or no what did you cross out yeah that's not what it says okay now Acts 1631 ethan And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. All right. Did he say, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be baptized? Yes or no? No. All right. 1 Corinthians 1.21. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. All right. Does it say believed and be baptized to be saved? Yes or no? No. So you cross out there and that are baptized. That's not in that verse. So according to these verses, what is the one thing that a person must do in order to be saved and have eternal life. What's the key word? 
believe. Now, I'm going to be a little bit technical. Not really. Basic. Believe in who? Christ Jesus. Yes, it's about believing in Jesus. Faith alone is necessary for salvation. Consider a person who has believed on Christ, but who has not yet been baptized. Or consider a believer who dies before being baptized. Would this person be saved according to Acts 16.31, which is what Ethan read, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved? Would this person be saved, yes or no? There is no such thing as an unsaved believer. Water baptism is very important. It is an important act of obedience, and it pictures very important truths, as we should soon see. But water baptism does not save. We are out of time this afternoon, but I beseech you, moms and dads, families, and if moms and dads forget or are too busy, kids remind them, or do it on your own, take this and continue on. This is a self-guided Bible study, but I do think it's helpful for you to do it together as families. Um, dads, this is part of teaching your children in the ways of the Lord and the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and so I encourage you to take this. Baptism is very important, but it is very important to know that baptism does not save us. Unless we're talking about the baptism into Jesus Christ. That is what saves us. And that is really important. So just as a reminder of this morning, I ask those questions. Have you been baptized into Jesus? If not today, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and will be baptized by the Spirit into Christ. If you've been baptized into Christ and you haven't been water baptized, come please see me. I'd love to work to plan a time for you to be baptized in water as a testimony of your baptism in Christ. And for all of us who have received Jesus Christ and been baptized into him, let's remember our baptism. Let's not forget our baptism, our baptism into Jesus, because it's that relationship that will deliver us from sin. It is that relationship that will deliver us from the temptation of discouragement. It is that relationship that will give us hope, gives us meaning in life. In fact, because he is life. Hope in it. Don't forget your baptism. Lord Jesus, we bow to you and give thanks for your word, which has revealed to us these truths. May we hunger and thirst after you. May you fill us with your spirit. May we walk in your spirit. May we never forget that we are one with you. May we walk and live reckoning that truth and reality. For your glory, your honor, we need you and we commit ourselves to you. Now we pray, amen.